Hi, welcome to Nefarious New York. I'm Allison. And I'm Meredith. Let's just get right to the case. All right. Like like the good old days of yes. no banter. Like no okay. banter. Okay. Timothy Reich and Aaron Taylor got married in Ohio in 1996. A year later, Tim graduated from Temple University Medical School and eventually became a prominent New York orthopedic surgeon. Tim and Aaron had two children and were settling into their family life. As I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, life gets hectic, problems start brewing. It's hard to be a grown-up and have kids and spouses and bills and all that stuff. Right. Jobs. I don't, I don't know about that. I know about bills and jobs and life, just not and the marriage kids. And, and marriage, of course. So. Well, that's enough. Sometimes it gets hectic it and, does. you know, problems come up. So Tim and Aaron did end up separating and then they actually did get divorced. Shortly after that, Tim started a new relationship with Manuela Morgado. As with any new relationship, things were great. She got pregnant, and he asked her to marry him, and she said yes. After this, they did start to show their true colors, which Bill calls the bait and switch, <laughs> which he says I totally did to him because I was like super fun, out all the time, you know. Right. Right charming and then and then and now it's and then the real you came out so tim and manuela's relationship really fell apart after the baby was born and he was named jason but they called him jake when jake was just an infant the police were called to tim and manuela's austining home on new year's day 2009 tim actually called the police and said that manuela threw a phone at his head Manuela, of course, denied throwing the phone and said that they had been arguing because she found out he had been cheating on her. Manuela filed a petition for an order of protection against Tim, and she stated that he had threatened her with violent injury by leaving a baseball bat on the kitchen counter, implying that he would use it on her, and that he had in the past two weeks jutted his face into her face, screaming loudly in the presence of the baby, using vile and filthy language. She also said that he demanded that she leave the house, throwing her clothing and personal property around the home and making so much noise that he would wake up the baby. All right. We're not talking about like little quarrels here. We're talking about major, major fights, major fights, which I, I know it sounds dumb, but you would think that an educated doctor would not behave that way, not behave that way or know better or, uh, but Okay. So he told her, this is also in her application for the order of protection, he told her that he would get so angry with his first wife, Erin, that he wanted to strangle her and that he drinks every day heavily and Manuela believed that he would strangle her. Tim, of course, denied all of this. And shortly after this, Manuela moved out of their Austining home and got the temporary order of protection. She took Jake and moved into a townhouse in Mamaroneck. Manuela eventually withdrew her application for the order of protection and agreed to joint custody with Tim, which I think is an interesting thing to do if that incident really did happen. Those incidents really did happen. The baseball bat and the, all that stuff. I guess maybe she doesn't want to keep her son from his father. I guess. I, you know, I, it's kind of strange because... A lot of people talk about, you know, well, it's very damaging to the kids, you know, to keep a father or mother from their child. But what people, what I never understand is if that relationship is so dysfunctional, mm -hmm. maybe you are better off doing that. But I, 
Again, I don't want to judge. Right. We don't know. They agreed to an interesting custody arrangement. Uh, It was basically going to be one week with the father and one week with the mother, which worked because he's only four years old at the time. Tim, meanwhile, went back and reconciled with Aaron, and they eventually got remarried. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I know. She... um, Okay. I can understand that sharing custody of a child and disagreements with some, you know, with someone that you don't want to have anything to do with, now you have to have constant contact with them, is going to wear on you. It's going to be... Yes. I mean, it's it's why people don't have children right away right. either. I mean, you want to learn about that person. You need to really know what they're really like. Because once you bring a child into the world, the whole picture changes. Oh, you're stuck to that person forever. Like Gorilla Glue. A lot of people do have to obviously navigate shared custody. My parents had to do it. And, you know, it's a struggle, but nothing like what happened here happens. So Manuela was living in a townhouse in Mamaroneck. Tim was living in a million-dollar home in Briarcliff Manor. The older... A child gets the more issues that can arise. Jake was diagnosed with some special needs. Tim and Manuela both had different opinions and ideas about the best way to deal with this. And he's a doctor, so I'm sure that he felt like, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm sure he felt like he knew what was best. Right. Well, I don't know. But they were fighting mostly over where Jake should go to preschool. So Manuela thought it would be best if he went near her in a school that possibly had better program to address his needs. And Tim wanted him to stay in the school that was by his house up in Briarcliff Manor. Right. Is it more of a curriculum or more of a convenience? Who knows? But I don't know. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. But So the family court judge said that since the school year already started at the time of this petition, they weren't going to transfer Jake. Makes sense. They didn't want to disrupt his routine, but I'm thinking he's four. We're in September. It's not like we're in how much disruption is it going to be? I don't know what his special needs were. Well, Maybe well, it right, was. Right. And so maybe some when you're dealing with a child with special needs, perhaps it is. Well, Manuela is devastated by this and really frustrated. And so she starts sending like threatening letters to Tim and Aaron. Well, that's productive. Well, sometimes you just can't help yourself. Mm. On September 30th, 2012, Manuela was having a party for Jake. She invited over some of his little friends. So he's four. I don't know how many friends he had, but she invited some of his friends over to have like a play date party thing. She didn't really have a reason for it. She just had a party. Had a party. Okay. So no one knew why she had it, but she actually knew the real reason she was having it. And it was going to be more of a goodbye party. What? What did you think was going to happen? Uh... Uh, not what you're about to say. So the next day, October 1st, 2012, Manuela woke up early and wrote some notes and sorted out her finances for her family. She gave Jake two syringes of Benadryl and some cold and flu medicine. When he got sleepy, she forced a mask over his face and began to pump helium through the mask. (gasps) She had purchased the helium tank, tubing, and mask weeks earlier. So dying by inhaling helium is called like inert gas asphyxiation, which basically just means that the helium 
reduces the amount of oxygen in your blood. So it's not like you get suffocated, but you just end up with no oxygen left in your body. How do you do that? She clearly thought this was the best route to take. There's no smell or taste, so Jake probably really didn't know what was happening. But he did begin to struggle. Oh, God. So Manuela taped his arms and legs to the bed and continued to force him to breathe the helium. Now this is taking too long for her. So she was becoming impatient. She removed the tape and turned Jake over and pressed him into a pillow, telling him that she loved him the whole time. In the police interview, she said when the helium wasn't working, she used her hand to cover Jake's nose and mouth and snuggled against him, rolling him face down on the pillow. She said that when he kicked and gasped, she realized she had to do it again. I hate this woman. She did it again and put her weight on top of him. She then took a large amount of Xanax, freed Jake's arms and legs, and cradled him in her arms. She had arranged for a few family members to come over to help her move that morning, so when they arrived, they found her holding Jake. They called the police, and she was semi-conscious when she was found by the police at 10.43 a.m. The ambulance took her to Soundshore Medical Center for treatment, which was where I was born, Mm-hmm. Were you? Mm-hmm. Okay. But sadly, Jake was pronounced dead at the scene. That is so sad. And sh- she lived? Mm-hmm. Of course. Ugh. This is really just... Dis- I don't know why. I, I know why. That's so disturbing to me. Um. So isn't that filicide? Right? When a parent kills one of their own children? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. Ugh. So that's that's what happened here. I just don't understand what goes on in somebody's head to do that. And I'm not talking because you have Munchausen proxy, like you have that type of thing. That's not what this is. No. And so you're otherwise, you know, obviously maybe she had some issues, but that that's your only way out. You're going to kill him. Well, she she does give a few statements here. All right, tell me what this maniac animal monster says. When asked by the police what happened, she responded, now no one will take him from me. She was charged with second-degree murder and held without bail. She pled not guilty and said that Tim being relentless prompted her actions. Oh, come on. She never had any history of violence, no criminal record. At her trial, it was revealed that she had researched online how to kill him. She read that using helium was supposed to be a peaceful way to die. Clearly, that's not what happened. Uh, Is there really a peaceful way to die or a peaceful way to kill a four-year-old child? Well, I can think of a peaceful way to kill her. (laughs) Or a not-so-peaceful way. She said it was supposed to be quick and peaceful so they could be happy together forever. Yeah. Well, how are you going to do that? Because you're still alive and he's not. Funny how that usually works out. The suicide people don't quite get there after they've killed their children. Right. Manuela pled guilty to second degree murder and will serve 20 years to life. In court, Manuela said, I have lived in a constant state of remorse. I miss my son every minute of every day. I am riddled with shame and regret for making this decision. Well, at least that's like the first we've seen of some kind of remorse. Remorse, right. So 
What did Tim say in his statement? Well, Tim said, I would not trade the four years I had with my son for anything in the world. The pain you have caused is immeasurable and without end. The only thing today does is subtract a monster from society. Well, I agree with him on that. Yeah. He's got my support on that one. Mm-hmm. She did appeal her plea, but that was denied. I didn't even know you could do that. Or did I? A- appeal your own plea? Yeah. I mean, what do you say? Oops. I was just kidding. I guess if you unless, say the plea was made under like und- duress. Or- I was going to say, unless the admission was, you say was coerced or, you know, something like that. But, oh God. So, so she's in jail now. She's in jail. Um, and e- I never heard of, I never heard this. And this was not far from us. No, I remember this case. I remember this case, the one we're going to do next. So this is an equally disturbing case of filicide, but it happened in our hometown of New Rochelle in 2017. This one, you know. I think I might. Okay. Is this the father? Uh, uh, I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Okay. Neil White. Yes, I know this one. Okay. Neil White and Michelle Horde White got married and had a baby girl, Gabrielle. Neil was in public administration and actually worked on the New Rochelle mayor at the time's campaign. Okay, so Michelle was an NBC Universal executive. In January of 2017, the police were called to their home for a domestic dispute. The dispute was said to have been a verbal one. In April of 2017, Michelle filed for divorce. They had many more angry encounters. One was at Barnes & Noble, where Neil threw an iced coffee in her face. But they were able to put all of this aside. And on Monday, June 5th, 2017, Neil agreed to the terms of the divorce papers and signed them. And in it, he was surrendering the family house to Michelle. So I I do remember this. Um, Gabrielle White was a seven-year-old second grader at Ward Elementary School. She was a swimmer. She was into gymnastics and soccer. And she loved science, art, and cooking. Gabrielle did not show up for school on Tuesday, June 6, 2017. Gabrielle's father, Neil White, and the babysitter were exchanging a few text messages around 1.40 p.m., and the babysitter became concerned. We don't know exactly what was in the text messages. We, we don't, but I remember the case, and I remember reading this, and I think he was just acting very strange via right. text. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it wasn't 100% clear, but... Obviously, it was something alarming enough to well, give she, her suspicion. Right. And, and she, she went, went over, over there. Yep. She went over there and she said that when she entered the apartment, she called for Gabrielle and looked down the hallway into her bedroom. She saw that her shades were closed and the lights were off. She called for Neil and he walked out of his bedroom and asked her if everything was OK. She said yes, but asked where Gabrielle was. Neil said that she was in her room resting. Then she noticed that Neil had cuts on his wrists Mm -hmm. and blood on him. The babysitter rushed out and called Michelle. Michelle told the babysitter to get the hell out of the house and call 911. Neil was taken to Montefiore Neurochelle Hospital, which was Soundshore Medical Center from the case before this one. Mm -hmm. His wounds were, of course, non-life-threatening. He had a few stitches. That was it. Right. He told the police that he kept her home from school that day because she wasn't feeling well because of her allergies. He said an intruder had murdered Gabrielle and attacked him. 
Now, the only thing that I don't understand is that when she says, get the hell out of the house, does she know that Gabrielle's still inside? I mean, I... I guess at that point she doesn't. So it's not like she got a call from school because he called her out. Right. You know, he called in the absence. So she was probably just saying, you get out of there. Right, right. Which makes sense. And I I doubt she would have said, get no, out if she knew her baby was in there. Right. Well, no judgment. Her daughter. Her No judgment at all. I'm just saying it's, you know. I'm guessing that she assumed the kid was at school where she was supposed to be and that the husband was having some sort of breakdown right because she didn't see gabrielle yet no she just saw that the room she just was dark. saw the right right so neil was charged with second degree murder and held without bail and he pled not guilty mm-hmm. <laughs> but on august 11 2017 he confessed he said that he smothered gabrielle with a pillow because he didn't want her to grow up in a single parent home after the divorce so kill her that, yeah that, that's, that's better brilliant Gabrielle had like this emoji pillow and they found that they thought that was the pillow used because it had spit and some blood on it. And they thought from like her teeth pressing into her lips as he pushed the pillow down on her, she got some cuts and that's how the blood got on the pillow. Right. When he got the final divorce papers on June 5th that he kept referring to that date as D-Day, he decided that he was going to kill Gabrielle. He said that she was asleep in the fetal position and he put a pillow over her face and smothered her. He said that his family was splitting up and that he did not want her to be raised in a single parent home. He said that he did not get enough visitation with Gabrielle and he did not want her to suffer. He said that she was in a better place. I don't understand this. I mean, I, this is a horrible analogy, but like I think of my, my dog, right? Mm -hmm. Like my, my dog was sick and I have a new puppy. I couldn't imagine purposely doing anything to hurt that's like my baby right I understand that maybe sometimes you get frustrated or you get but I don't know what happens inside someone's head that makes them think that this is a a humane and rational way out well good thing you don't get it Uh, uh, we shouldn't get it we shouldn't be able to comprehend but it ha- this. And it happens. And it happens It happens a often. lot. And I'm just... There were more local cases that I could have done mm. recently so, in this category. Yeah. So where is Neil now? Because I, I absolutely remember this case. On Wednesday, July 3rd, 2019, so just a few months ago, after only five hours of deliberations, Neil White was convicted of second-degree murder. He was supposed to be sentenced on September 5th, but it must have been postponed. I can't find it anywhere. I'm assuming he's going to get 25 years to life. Who knows? You never know. I mean, that's what he deserves. I mean, a minimum of that. So her mom, Michelle, did issue a statement. She said that no words could sum up all that Gabrielle meant to us, but she was our light. We are broken and devastated that our sweet little girl is gone but we're thankful that we had seven wonderful years with her. I wouldn't be able to speak. I wouldn't be able to breathe. And I don't think that I could, like, I'd want to kill him. I'd want to kill him too. And I don't know how she made that statement. Did she speak those words or give a written statement? Because a written statement, someone could write for me and make me sound like I didn't want to kill somebody. But if I had to get up and say something, 
Well, that wouldn't go well. She's a very educated woman, too. You know, she had a very good job. She worked for NBC. You know, sometimes people are able to get themselves together to, you know, be able to to write or speak coherent. I mean, I can't even speak coherently about it. And it it, it didn't happen to me. Anyhow, um, I remember the case and I just I feel bad for these kids it's just there's there's no other I mean it's it's such a pointless thing to say I mean feel bad is like people have to reach out if they're feeling a certain way or they're you know and the the sad part is in these cases I don't I don't know about Manuela but Neil he was an educated guy oh yeah he was you know he wasn't these are people who are seemingly Normal people, normal educated down people. Good jobs. Yeah. And then something just snaps. And I don't understand it. I guess I shouldn't understand it. No. And that's it. Yeah. Those are the filicide cases. And I can't say they'll be the last, but I just wanted to cover those two. If you're liking our episodes and you want to give a review, or leave a five-star rating. I have sort of a lighthearted story about the five-star ratings. I don't know if any of you are following me on Instagram or Facebook, but my wonderful, handsome, talented 15-year-old son was sitting next to me on the couch and opened up his podcast app. And I said, oh, go to mine and give it five stars. So he opens hours up there and hits one star and thinks it's hilarious i'm like you i don't think you could take that back you little jerk ruined our perfect five star rating so i posted that up because i didn't know how to take it down and actually your sister called me yeah and explained to me how to do it because she researched it immediately she did and ex- walked me through it. So then I had to call him because he was away at a hockey he tournament. He is grounded. And talk him through how to do it. And he did it and then gave us a five-star one. <laughs> so now I don't know if uh-huh. it goes away or if it's a permanent stain on our record. But if you're listening and you want to give us five stars. Matthew is grounded. <laughs> right. So give us the five stars now to make up for my wonderful child's. You know when they say, like, your mother will always love you no matter what? <laughs> He's testing that right now. <laughs> so that's my story. So give us five stars. Give a review. We're really trying to get some momentum going so that we can go to CrimeCon. Yeah. And, yep. I mean, we can go anyway, but right. I w- want to have a little. Yeah. So that's it. Leave reviews. Leave ratings. Go to our website. Donate if you can, if you want. Small and donations are great. Anything. It's just a... Well, five bucks yeah makes us feel good makes us feel good it makes us know that people are listening right and it helps us out when we want to do things like order merch mm-hmm. and buy some audio supplies so that we sound amazing i don't know about amazing but much better than we did in the previous 10 episodes correct so you want to sing us out no okay oh, you want me to do it yeah no go you're going to sing us out today. Want to do it with me? Nope. <sighs> Nefarious New York. Stay tuned for uh, bloopers from Allison and Meredith after the music.
Hi, welcome to Nefarious New York. I'm Allison, and I'm here with Meredith. And I'm Meredith. Oh, you want to say your own name now? <laughs> Are we changing it? Uh, Hi, welcome to Nefarious. Okay, so Timothy Reich and Aaron Taylor got married in October of 1996. A year later. Where? In Ohio. I didn't say that? Mm. Ohio. Yeah, but a lot of people have to Maybe do it. Maybe we should approach Gorilla Glue and see if they want to sponsor us. So, uh, 